Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another beautiful week here from uh, the great state of Wisconsin. It's gorgeous out. <laughs> it's old. Uh, it's not going to be so great for Mother's Day weekend. But hey, it is Mother's Day weekend. We'll talk more about that later in the show. But um, folks, first, let's introduce our panel which includes Priscilla Bort. Priscilla is the Movement Politics Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. Priscilla, great to have you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Happy early Mother's Day to everyone. Happy Teacher Appreciation Week uh, right. as well, which should just be year-round, but yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> great to have you, Priscilla. And as always, Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning, or good, wherever you were listening. Good day, everyone. <laughs> It's definitely good morning. Uh, as folks know, we generally record Thursday morning and we are doing so again this week. And we're going to start by talking about the state budget because, folks, it is the top thing happening in our state policy wise. We've talked about it a lot. It is the one point where our governor has full leverage with the legislature. They both need to come to an agreement in order to have a budget. And so last week we broke the news, right, about things being taken out of the budget like Badger Care and a whole host of other things. But Robert, you are not in our office this week. You are on the road doing a full tour around the state of Wisconsin to help raise public awareness and pressure and support for our governor and pressure on the Republicans uh, for for the governor to use his veto pen strategically to Bring these Republicans and Speaker Voss to the table. Robert, get us started. Tell us a little bit about this tour you're on. Uh, what are you doing? Where is it going? And um, how's it going so far? So we've had, we've been, we're doing four cities and four days, and they're all places where Citizen Action has membership bases and our chapters, which we call organizing co-ops. And so I've done two of them. I've, I've, I'm leading these events. Uh, one in La Crosse, one in Eau Claire, Wausau later Thursday, and uh, Green Bay uh, Friday morning. Actually, officially Aswabanon because we're we're at a uh, we're we're at well at Hinterland Brewery there, but just outside Green Bay. And so far, look, we've had great members turn out. Uh, members who have absolutely searing Badger Care expansion stories. Uh, Julia Benker, uh, who is quoted in the media in Eau Claire, talked about how she is a child care worker who is turning down hours at a time when there's a shortage of child care workers, keeping a Which lot of people. Which is just amazing. Just uh, amazingly So she bad. can stay in poverty, under 100% of poverty, and get badger care because she has chronic conditions. And so she's she was tremendous and she wants to do more. And uh, today in Wausau, we're going to hear from um, Peggy McDowell, who had to divorce her husband in order to make herself eligible for Badger Care. They continue to live together, just not as a married couple. Again, and, I uh, must interject. That is crazy and insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she, again, also could get treatment for chronic conditions. So uh, Peggy uh, testified in, at, at Joint Finance Committee in uh, Manaqua, and Julia did in Eau Claire. Of course, the gerrymandered legislature need not listen to people and, as we all know, ignored public opinion, ignored all the testimony they've heard for a sixth straight budget, 
and proceed to do what they wanted to do because they're, I guess they're, to use conservative terminology from George Lakoff, they're strict fathers. It's just that they're tyrannical, unjust fathers. And, we, and we're not looking for fathers. We're looking for actual representative democracy. So, so Robert, tell us, tell, let's be clear. What are we asking right now? What What's at, at these events? What is the analysis and what would we be asking our listeners to do immediately if they haven't already? So we know we knew what this legislation was going to do. It's not democratically accountable. It's not legitimate. Uh, the only person who's legitimately democratically elected in this in this process is the governor. In fact, the Supreme Court hasn't been because of the money takeover either. But that's that, that's a more nuanced story. So you can't gerrymander the state. The UP was not added in order to make Tim Michaels governor. And I don't want to no, no shade for the UP. Maybe they wouldn't have done that, but they could have. <laughs> And so, uh, but this legislature, it doesn't matter. They don't expect it. It doesn't matter what, how unpopular their positions are, how they're not in the public interest. Uh, they know they won't face accountability unless they're different maps. And so, but the governor has authority, just like Biden does. Biden in this uh, debt limit thing is to be given credit for saying, essentially, I'm not signing your ransom note and destroying what's left of our social safety net and uh, all the investments we need to make that we've started to make in his second term. And if you proceed this way and we can't, and and uh, and don't give us a clean debt limit bill, well, we can work on the budget with you as a budget process, but you appropriate all the money that was spent here. This is paying our bills. And if not, I'll use my constitutional authority because, and the constitution says that uh, president and the Congress have to maintain the full faith and credit of the country. So by Evers has even clearer authority to use strategically his veto pen, if they're going to take 545 of his priorities out of the budget, and a lot of them are very, very important, uh, without even listening, then he should take out what they want and say, we can find common ground and negotiate, or you don't get what you want either. And so he needs to use, stand up to the bullies, just like Biden is doing right now with Speaker McCarthy. So, folks, we're asking you to contact Governor Evers. It's it's important that you do that. We'll have a link where you can go and electronically write a message to him, or we are asking you to call Governor Evers. We'll have that number uh, for you to call. Please call the office. Encourage him to do what Robert just said. Use your strongest in the nation's veto to bring these folks to the table to get what the what the people need. Priscilla, speaking of what the people need, um, yes. you one of the things you do for us here at Citizen Action is you're helping lead uh, a rebuilt. We're rebuilding our a permanent deep canvas field program. But we have had an organizer out talking uh, to voters. And could you share with us? Because he was talking the other day and it was just amazing the level of support for the for what we're talking about, Badger Care, these things in Evers' budget versus what this gerrymandered legislature. Could you just give our listeners a little flavor of like yeah. what we're hearing? Of course. Uh, we are hearing a wide array of support across the board of access to healthcare of all kinds, access to affordable medications, to quality 
doctors to good hospital experiences to not having to worry about if you fall into this badger care gap. Uh, we're hearing it directly from people on doors and phones, whether they have a story themselves and are impacted it, by it or a loved one of theirs is impacted by it. I think we all have uh, that that circle where if we weren't impa aren't impacted, we know somebody who is. So people are supportive of of this. Uh, and I'm gonna go ahead and use this and launch right into. You can join us on those doors and phones. Hey, what a great yeah. idea! What a right? great idea! Yeah, starting Monday three to five, we're gonna be phone banking. Uh, we're going to be calling people across the state, getting them to also share their story, to share their support, to call Evers, to do something with us about Badger Care, to push for a veto. Uh, you can join us every Monday from three to five, or you can join us on the doors. We'll get you in contact with your co-op organizer and get you out on the doors. Uh, it's beautiful weather. I love summer doors yeah. far more than I love winter doors. Give me a 90 degree day in the sunshine rather than a heavy snow. So like now's the time to do some <laughs> nice, get a walk outside and talk about healthcare. It's a win-win situation. Are you politely calling in all the folks this spring who told us it was too damn cold to go do yes. doors and now's yeah. the time? Now yes. is the yes. time. Get some sunscreen and water and take a nice <laughs> little walk and talk to your neighbors. What what right. could be better? Exactly. Look, folks, in all, in all seriousness, Priscilla is 100% right. It is super important that we get on the phones. We will be calling people in our regions where in areas where we have organizers and capacity, and we're going to follow up. We're also going to try to grow this organization, get more people off the bench. We talk about that all the time. So please... Go check the link. We're going to have a link here in the podcast uh, uh, text. Uh, go and sign up. Again, we're starting this upcoming Monday, the 15th, as Priscilla said, three to five, but we'll be doing this every Monday. So please, and you can go on there and sign up for uh, future Mondays, but get in the game. We need to be involved in order to change and deal with that gerrymandered legislature. Robert, any final thoughts before we go to break? I think we haven't really stood up to the bully yet. At some point, the bully will keep advancing unless you stand up to them. Governor, to his credit, we know who he is. He was, he was as a leader, he was perfect for the age where there was bipartisan conversation and compromise. That Rowan party doesn't exist anymore. And so the only way he's going to get a negotiation is if he stands up to them and says, well, here's what you don't get if you just act this heedlessly. And badge care expansion is one of many things that is heedless, immoral, and destructive in this budget, and that and that takes away the revenue we need for other priorities. Badger care expansion does that. So does not doing marijuana legalization, just to name two examples. And so, he, by the way, the other thing that happens is, Undemocratically, the reason they did it in a motion with 545 items altogether and and the media uh, needing to explain that in one story, you do a poll, most of the public doesn't know it was taken out, okay, because of, of the way this came out. So if he creates a crisis over a couple things, it puts a laser beam of public attention on it, and they have a choice. They can be known for this, going into potentially an election with fair maps, or 
they can actually operate with the governor, but this serves their purpose to do it in the what amounts to the dark of night because most of the public is not following the joint finance week closely and the media coverage isn't that good of it either. So again, folks, you are, you're listening to the show. It's imperative that you get involved. If Evers doesn't hear from us, it's less likely he'll be bold. So please make that call. Folks, you're listening to Battleground Wisconsin where Citizen Action will be right back. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We were talking about the state budget process and our calls for Governor Evers to be bold and use his veto to have a stronger negotiating position and win some of the things that the Republicans have pulled out, including Badger Care expansion. And Robert, you referenced uh, what is going on at the federal level in your comparison to Governor Evers and your call for him to be bold. And uh, Priscilla, I do want to, and Robert, get your thoughts on the debt ceiling debate, right? And, and you know, whatever you want to call it, hostage taking, there's a whole bunch of things, but essentially uh, we're getting closer to where there's going to be a, a climax uh, to this standoff with, let's face it, the Trump mega House Republicans uh, desire to essentially strip by the way, folks, just so you have an idea, if if the plan that the House Republicans have, if you were to actually go about that, you'd have to cut back and pare back over 22% of the services that we currently think of, like 20, healthcare. Like, we need more. The idea that we need to pare back. Uh, Priscilla, your thoughts on um, what's going on in D.C. and... Just any a, any comments uh, that you might have uh, for our listeners about that? Yeah, I mean, it is it is wild that uh, we're we're already out here fighting for what feels like crumbs. Uh, I don't know what can go lower than that if we're already going to cut back the crumbs that we like have. Uh, but it's it's so frustrating uh to watch this fighting back and forth and seeing and hearing their their reasonings for cutting good things uh, are never good there's no good reason ever uh but to hear them try to weasel the way their way around and justify their cuts uh almost it makes it worse uh so this has been it's been confusing uh, so if listeners, if you're confused like I am, it's okay. Uh, but it's uh, just frustrating to continue to watch people cut the the things that are just not privileges. Priscilla, yeah. that's, a, that's a great point about the confusion, because that is, I think, the number one goal of the Republicans. And why, oh, yeah. and why um, Robert and I had been arguing in last December, really upset that they didn't deal with the debt ceiling when we had total control of Congress and they just sort of punted it. And we knew this was coming and we knew that there would be confusion because it doesn't make sense. It's a, this is incredibly confusing to explain why we even, and Robert talked about this last week, why we even have this process that we would go through uh, this process. It's so, yeah, incredibly frustrating because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and again, folks, part of what they would do is roll back the Inflation Reduction Act. A lot of the stuff that, you know, is the building blocks, just the base, as Priscilla said, just the base. We have so much more work to do on uh, climate and equity. Robert, your thoughts on this weekend debt ceiling debate? 
an odd sort of way, though she was in no way positive, Priscilla was overly positive. <laughs> they haven't named what cuts they're going to make. There's no budget offered by the House Republicans. Their number, they want an, an amount cut percentage with defense off the table and allegedly Medicare and Medicaid off the table. Hard to, I mean, not Medicare and Social Security, hard to believe, not Medicaid off the Don't table. Don't believe them that we, about that. You can't go right. and balance a budget. But they're not willing. You see, they're leaning into the myth. There's all this just waste that affects no one that can be pulled out. Uh, it's just there's there are definite boondoggles. They're in the Defense Department. They're in the Ag program. That's not what they want cut. So they're what they're doing is they're just giving a number. Whereas President Biden has offered a budget that lowers the deficit and the national debt because it starts taxing billionaires and corporations to pay their fair share, which they also refuse to. So Defense Department's off limits, and and rolling back any of their tax cuts in the last 40 years, including the big ones, like biggest under Trump, second biggest under George W. Bush, off the table. So that's not a real bill. And the debt limit was a sop to anti-war senators in World War One, like fighting Bob LaFollette. It was a meaningless thing because it was about approving paying bills already spent, already approved by Congress. And it's always been meaningless. And and ceremonial, it, it, but uh, it was Mitch McConnell 10 years ago and, and the Republicans then that started playing brinksmanship. McConnell still aiding, aiding it and providing it comfort. So it's beyond the MAGA wing of the party. And this is about their maximalism. They'll use any, any lever they have to the utmost, which is why going back to Governor Evers, Correct. He had when he clearly has his veto authority, he needs to stand up to them that way. But furthermore, Biden is standing up to them, not only by saying absolutely will not negotiate over whether we pay our bills that but we've been appropriating a lot of the bills are your giant tax cuts and spending under Trump. Uh, and then that and furthermore, we can we will have a budget process starting later this year. And of course, you have to pass the budget. So that's where negotiation could take place. But by the way, if you do it anyway, I'm not going to let you cause millions of unemployed people uh, undercut all the investments needed to have a chance of runaway climate change, for example, making health care far more expensive, making food insecurity and housing insecurity worse when they're already a, a need, a need to be addressed and, and are unacceptably high. And so he's not going to do it. The Constitution does say the plain reading that they're required to maintain the faith and credit of the federal government. So it would appear that the Constitution, by the plain language, authorizes the president to pay the bills. Now, I'm not a brilliant jurist. Justice Thomas is. I'm sure he can find some brilliant explanation that uh, James Madison meant AK-47 rifles, but thought you couldn't pay your bills. But I'm telling so you, that's a reason that Supreme Court has to go, that they're, they're politicians in robes, not jurists. All right. So I want our listeners before I, as I wrap this up, to be clear, this default would be catastrophic for Americans, right? We're talking about significant job, unnecessary, but they're willing to push that. Let's use our leverage here in the state. Priscilla, let's talk now about something, an area. So Biden's been very forceful, as Robert said, in this area. Let's talk about an area that's been much more of a struggle for the Biden administration. That is immigration. What's going on right now? 
currently at the border. Um, today, as we record, it is essentially the um, the final day of Title 42, as as everybody knows, uh, the COVID emergency is being lifted, which means Title 42 is lifted today. Now, Priscilla, your thoughts on uh, what's next uh, and this this moment, this moment we're at here on immigration, and and in this case, how we handle refugees. Yeah, this is this is a big big defining moment for how we can make sure that we do not fall back into a Trump era uh, immigration and asylum policy. Uh, so there is for sure some room, some room to to grow, you know, making sure that we don't use uh, untrained National Guard folks at the borders who are not ready and equipped to to work with families and children seeking asylum. Uh, we want to make sure that's that's uh, that they're they're safe down there. Uh, that the app that they are planning on using has already been crashing multiple times. And you know, whenever it does come to apps and people, um, you know, seeking asylum, there's always the worry about what what tracking could look like and why why an app on a phone is is needed and that barrier of what if you don't have a phone what if you don't have access to to the internet uh so there's there's a lot of of room to grow to grow with this um and you know trying to take the positive route i do believe that biden can can get there um we just we want to make sure that that he does we want to keep up any pressure of hey let's make sure that these are these are fair policies that we're not bordering into anything xenophobic, anything racially motivated, all of this, we want to be welcoming. We are a country for everybody. There are so many reasons that you want to come or go. And we just, we just want to make sure, like, I always just want to make sure like we're open. That's, that's, that's the thing. So he can, there's room to grow. Um, to make sure we don't we don't accidentally step right back into the Trump era. Well, yeah. it is noteworthy that we're title there is no effort to extend Title Forty Two. That is the first step. Robert, your thoughts uh, before we go to break. Biden, we have to be able to, and Priscilla just did have nuance on this. By that Title 42 has been ridiculous for a long time. It was justified on public safety over COVID, and it's been kept in place long after there were no other public safety uh, restrictions. And you know, Donald Trump was attacking all the restrictions of this one because they jumped upon this as a way to violate the law and and violate international and American law and not provide a a refugee process for people seeking asylum. And so. Biden did step out from his own party. This is where I want to say, give some nuance. And three of the four candidates for U.S. Senate in the primary were, were against him on repeal, on removing Title 42. To, to his credit, only Tom Nelson was supporting the president in that U.S. Senate primary. And a whole lot of other Democrats um, and Leader Schumer were against him on this. Uh, and it, you've seen all the media coverage. It does the, allow the right now to do big open border surge, dangerous people, you know, just like the crime panic. Uh, but look, it's the Republicans that don't want to have a, a solution to our immigration issues and immigration reform because the issue is good for them. 
and they're xenophobic and hatred, hateful as well. They don't care. They don't have empathy uh, for other people or for the well-being of the country because immigration strengthens us. Well, uh, so so that so where we are is it it may be rocky here because you know there are a lot of desperate people that will that will try to enter the country, uh, and uh, President Biden is trying to do the right thing, but he's under resourced also, and also. This is the other nuance. He has kept too many of Obama's policies as well. I'm not providing him as a full champion of immigration, but he's steps ahead of even a lot of his own party, let alone the, the Republicans. With that, folks, we have to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin or Citizen Action Friends at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are going to we're, we're going to move back into the state but before we do uh some very important noteworthy news this week was the fda advisors voted unanimously which i believe was two to nothing uh in support of over the counter birth control pills and um this is a big deal priscilla i know um the minute it was announced i saw a message from you and um no big deal especially given what's been going on uh in our courts around the right to an abortion priscilla yeah yeah big big deal um just the, it it's a good step to securing reproductive rights for all it's not of course uh the final step but just to have the fda vote yes uh we that that the uh, what they said the benefits outweigh the risks and i think you know birth control is one of those things that uh has multiple multiple uses uh and people so quickly just jump to conclusions with especially on the right with there's so many misinformation disinformation and just uh you know republican men not understanding or refusing to learn about uh reproductive rights uh but there's so many so many uses for for birth control but this is such a good good step into bringing it back into rolling us forward uh into getting some of these rights that were stripped away uh almost a year ago now um to to getting them back yeah, and, and and this is important because it's over the counter, right? Yes. And so not having to deal with doctors, you know, uh, pharmacies. So with that, let us transition uh, back to Wisconsin. And uh, th there was news that I think it, it came out last week uh, in Wauwatosa. Now, a lot of news around this list of protesters that the police had been keeping and unfortunately, list, target list, they called it a target list, actually. Yes, yes. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, a federal jury basically cleared the Wauwatosa Police Department. Um, Robert and Priscilla, I want to get your thoughts on this, um, both not only for just the clearing, but then what I do think is important is the response of of the activists, right, to be like, well, we're just not going away. Uh, this is only going to make us more committed to this fight. Um, Priscilla, you want to take first crack? And then Robert, sure. um, I just think this is really critical. And we have had Isaiah Holmes on in the past, continues to do, by the way, outstanding journalism on this. Give Isaiah a shout out. Priscilla, your thoughts. Yes, Robert. that's how I was going to start. Uh, she was giving <laughs> Isaiah a big, 
big shout out. Um, yeah, it's uh this was another this was a step step back uh in in what people are allowed to track. Uh it's protesting. That is a right of everybody. Uh people on the right and the right wing extremists use it and push it a lot more. Uh, and so for for people, they they said that if you simply were there, you got on the list. They took that as basically a threat if you showed up to a protest. And on this list, that it was uh, terrible to learn that this jury was like, it's fine, uh, because that sets just a, a terrible precedent for what could continue to happen now in the future. We're going into 2024 where we have a, a Trump and DeSantis in the race. And what could it look like if if they took the streets, if we had to take the streets, what that what's that gonna look like? We just lost a lot of safety, uh, but also uh, with the response of it, we didn't lose the momentum. Uh, we're still out there protesting. People were still out there protesting right away, being like, no, we're not going to, this is not a thing. We're not going to stand for this. So though it was a setback, people are not viewing it that that way. They're still motivated, uh, but still very frustrating and harmful. Yeah. And I mean, for our listeners, I mean, just imagine this, right? The Wauwatosa police was able to keep, as Robert said, a, a list of people that they basically were targeting, right? It's unbelievable. And then Robert, I also want to get your thoughts on this. You know, to me, this gets back to the broader, you know, criminal justice system. We talked a lot about this during the Supreme Court race, and there's a lot of work to do because this jury apparently thinks, thought that this was okay. We have, it just shows the disconnect right now uh on in terms of where the public's at in terms of what makes us safe and that they would actually think that this is okay robert yeah i'm going to piece together what i understand about this knowing that there's some we have listeners to belgrade wisconsin feel for that may know more and please feel free to share uh you know how to reach me and other members of the panel um you know it was a late friday that the um uh, jury met this reach this verdict and so Isaiah Holmes had a postscript to his story but didn't explain the legal process his full story this week still really doesn't get into the legal process and I, I haven't found any other me that does I did notice piecing it together that it was about a federal law about the privacy of driver's license information because that's partly what they're piecing together and it makes me think or suspect that there weren't many legal levers here that it is legal for police to do this and that this is a and perhaps the jury made the right decision based on that actual law i don't know that for a fact but it's plausible and in this case the the evidence and just read isaiah holmes's coverage in the wisconsin examiner there are four or five stories at least uh they went and anyone who went to a protest that they saw there they did further investigation of them, looked at their social media feeds, looked at, at, at you know, DOT information, put dossiers and pictures of them together, gave the list of the police with the pictures. And they didn't do this with right-wing protesters, many of whom were threatening violence. And we know, I can tell you, that the Wauwatosa Police Department is, is a member of some of the right-wing police or organizations. They're connected to the quote-unquote patriot movement. 
I could send links if anyone from Tosa police wants to disagree. I have the I have the receipts on that. And so I think we need a law, a bill, and it won't pass a gerrymandered legislature, maybe and work with an ally that would not allow police to essentially develop target lists just for engaging in the most America thing possible, the First Amendment and the right to association. This should be protected from police subversion and, and, and surveillance. And it's shocking that this could be legal, but I'm thinking since they went to federal instead of state court and used a very limited sounding federal law, that there, there weren't many legal levers available. Robert, it's an excellent point. And again, it gets back to what we were talking about with the during the Supreme Court race, right? We have real issues with our criminal justice system, public safety, what makes us safe. We got a lot of work to do organizing the public because, yeah, it's 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 frustrating. And then, Robert, what you bring up here, right, that this actually they're saying this is legal. It is a huge opportunity to step in and and start, as you said, drafting legislation to make it very clear that this should be illegal. The suppressive effect of this for protesting, and especially when you're protesting the police, which takes courage, is it's it's so obvious that anyone who doesn't get this, it's like you you just really wonder about their commitment to democracy, uh, folks. This is um, really important, and again. Um, Priscilla, you mentioned it really um, shout out to the the folks that continue and, and, and immediately got back out in the streets, you know, and just like we are not going to be cowered by this because, I mean, geez, you get this verdict and they're essentially saying, no, they can keep doing that to you in your responses to get right back out there. Um, it's true leadership. And uh, we need what Robert's suggesting. We need to, as a movement, uh, immediately get about changing this law, that this could actually be possible. Uh, and we'll continue to talk about this. There's all kinds of stuff, right? We've, we've talked about other legislation that they're doing to suppress, essentially, protest democracy. Um, we need to remain vigilant. But with that, folks, we, uh, we are, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're really fortunate. We've got uh, special guests, some the good folks from Block are here, and we're going to talk with them on the back end of this break. Folks, you are listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Folks, we're really fortunate. We have uh, special guests joining us today from Black Leaders Organizing Communities, better known as Block here in the Milwaukee area, but they're also around the state. So we are fortunate to be joined by Keisha Robinson. She's the deputy director at Block, and and we're also joined by Kyle Johnson, the political director at Block. Keisha and Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for having us. Um, it is a pleasure to be here. So as um, you said, my name is Keisha. I am the deputy director for Block, which is Black Leaders Organizing for Communities. Um, so Block is an organization that was, it was discussed in 2016. It was put into action in 2017. Um, I have been a part of Block since the beginning. I actually started as an organizer in 2017, in November, in the dead of winter, um, we realized <laughs> they we knew realized, you were serious. <laughs> yes, I was very, very serious. At first, I was like, oh, my God, like, how does this work? 
How do you pop up in people's houses in the winter asking them like, what does it look like for your neighborhoods to thrive? And so you all know that's the question that Block initially asked. Um, that was kind of our gateway into introducing ourselves into the community. What does it look like for your neighborhoods to thrive? And I remember, I, I wouldn't say it was the first door, but it was like the first day um, and a lady opened her door and she was just like, what? She looked around like, it's winter, is all the snow outside. Like, what are, what are you doing? here like so yeah and then we just explained to her you know it's no time like the present to get out here and start having these conversations with folks in the community uh we did start in 53206 as uh for people that may not know uh 53206 is home to one of the highest incarcerated zip codes um, across the states and so you know it's real work that needed to begin there and so we started there in 2017 um we started with a staff of i think about four to five organizers and then fast forward to today we have 40 ambassadors who are canvassers that goes door to door um spreading essentially amplifying the messages we talk about uh politics uh, we're out organizing year round. We're kind of like the messengers to the community. Anything that uh, happens on the community level that we feel that folks need to know about, we're there, we're on doors, we're calling, we're sending text messages um, and things like that. So that's basically what our organization does. Um, just wanna be that source for the community to look to you know, and answer any questions. And I know that um, as we get further, we'll talk about a few other things, but I'll kick it to Kyle, who is the political director for Block, and he'll give you some insight um, about some things that's going on, as well as our podcast that we're going to be starting soon. So Kyle, here you go. Thank you, Keisha. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for having us on the podcast. My name is Kyle Johnson. I'm the political director over at Block. Uh, and yeah, really thankful to be able to be with other partners doing great things like this like a podcast and we're are going to be starting our pod, podcast as well it's going to be debuting on june 1st um and i i imagine it's going to have a lot of the same kind of feel that y'all have with your podcast we're tackling any types of issues really we're we're trying to build uh just like a communication line for folks locally that they can come here about something that's going on with sports or a, a local community event and have that person on that's hosting it uh because we know traditional media uh you know has a certain angle to it has a certain tinge to it has a certain reporting to it um and we want to be able to create a more local less filtered uh just lifeline for people to get information so really excited to have some episodes drop starting june 1st we're gonna build it up tease it out all the all the great you know run-up stuff you do but really excited to have folks start tuning into that so we have to have y'all on we are excited for your podcast and love everything Block does. Uh, I definitely, I enjoyed, uh, I'm still thinking about my style of canvas that I did a couple years ago and just love reading uh, Block's weekly emails. Y'all got to get on that email list if you're not there. I know this podcast is going to be uh, just as dope because there are some great people over at uh, Block. Uh, so my first question for uh, both of you is uh, what's going on at Block these days? What are what are you up to in May of, of 2023 after we just came out of uh, another just two back-to-back -back exhausting election cycles and we don't have an election cycle right now? What are you 
What are you up to? What are you doing? How can folks, how can folks support you in what you're doing? So yeah, I'll start. So right now, as you all know, that when the weather, uh, you know, kind of gets better and fairer. We start doing cleanups in the community. So right now, that's what we're doing. We're we're identifying the neighborhoods that could use assistance. Um, since we have so many hands on deck, and we essentially just go out to that neighborhood and we just clean up. Um, we're looking to do that until I guess maybe around October. You know, Wisconsin's weather is in. <laughs> so um, maybe around October, the cleanups will end. So right now we started them uh, April, they'll end in October. And yeah, so we're, we're gonna keep doing that. We're gonna let folks sign up. Uh, we're gonna like provide the public with a Google form. So if you're like, hey, okay, I see y'all in the neighborhood cleaning up. How can I sign my block up? So yeah, we're gonna do that. Let them sign up, uh, fill out a Google form, sign up their block, go out there and just put in the work. Uh, we realized that, you know, if the communities look better, it's a step to start feeling better and doing better. You know, it's a step to positivity. Sometimes, you know, like in our normal lives, when we wake up, if we see a bunch of stuff around us, we're frazzled, we feel clutter and things like that. And so we're doing that. Um, June 24th, we're having what we're calling Wellness in the Park. So this is an event, since we are big on mental health, we champion wellness and self-care. Um, we send out, if you're not on our emails, um, weekly texts, and I should say, we send out text messages every Wednesday, reminding people about their self-care, um, how to treat themselves well, put themselves first, get R&R, uh, take vitamins, drink water, things like that. Um, and so in lieu of that, we've been sending those text messages out almost weekly every Wednesday for about two years. And so June 24th, we're putting together what we call wellness in the park. And so it's going to be a big event where we're going to um, champion self-care and wellness, mental health. We're going to have a bunch of resources for people to tap into um, activities for youth and everything and just focusing on really um, mental health and making sure you're putting yourself first, making sure you're doing all the things we tell you to do in our um, weekly texting. Um, so again, that's Saturday, June 24th. Look for flyers and more details to come on that. And um, yeah, I'll let Kyle uh, explain the things Real he's quick. working on. Oh, Keisha, yeah. before Kyle jumps in, both you and Priscilla have mentioned this amazing email and texting. How do folks sign up for that? Could you tell them how they can um, sign up for that? So the email actually is something that Angela really does. She sends out Friday emails. Uh, I'll have her plug you into that and then and also share the information, how others can get on that email as well. We'd love to be able to give someone a link so they could sign up for that. Um, uh, Kyle, you, uh, you, we were, I, I interrupted, uh, you, you were about to, about to go. And then Priscilla, I know you have an, another question. Yeah, Keisha gets to talk about all the fun stuff. It's not <laughs> But um, about I, politics. I, yeah, and I get to you know try and talk about some of the the fun politics stuff that we have to deal with. But uh, as far as I think the email newsletter, I think if you head to our website, which is uh, block by block mke block by block org, excuse me. So it's b l o c b y b l o c dot org. Uh, it should be a space where you can sign up for Angela's I'm newsletter there right now. And it popped up immediately. Block by block.org. Sign up. Be on this. Be on there. It's a great newsletter. <laughs> but as far as things that we're keeping an eye on politically uh, and things that folks should know about, 
it's is the year of the budgets. So the state budget's happening. Our city budget uh, for Milwaukee is happening. Other cities around the state uh, and shared revenue uh, is currently happening. And that how just a little, give a little brief explainer to folks. Shared revenue is how the state disperses money back to communities, uh, counties and localities to fund their operations. Um, Republicans came together to uh, introduce a plan, and it's a really poorly constructed plan. Uh, it's filled with regressive taxes and a whole bunch of uh, poison pills that are undemocratic, are asserted, uh, removing local control from local Milwaukee elected officials who local Milwaukeeans elected in a democratic process. Uh, and it's forcing things down people's throats that community has uh, avowedly and loudly said they don't want. Things like 25 officers back in MPS schools, uh, removing uh, the authority from the Fire and Police Commission and giving it to the police chief. Uh, not allowing local health officers to declare uh, public health emergencies longer than 14 days. I would close businesses. Uh, it's just filled with a whole bunch of really poor stuff. So our work is just educating folks on the north side of Milwaukee and Racine and Kenosha on what's going on with that. Because folks may have heard on the news that a share revenue plan has come out, or they may have heard you know, Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson talking about it or Milwaukee County Exec David Crowley, but they don't know everything that's in this plan. They don't know that they're trying to remove uh, advisory referenda uh, from localities and municipalities. So when folks voted on legalizing marijuana a couple of years ago, you know, Republicans at the state level are trying to remove that that democratic option for folks. So we're really just plugging in with great partners like Leaders Igniting Transformation, African-American Roundtable, the ACLU, uh, really just to push back against this and educate folks. And, you know, we're glad that the governor, Tony Evers, uh, it's come out and said he's he's vetoing it as it stands, which is really helpful. All right. My my final question as we wrap up our our section is uh I want to go back to this wellness that we we talked about. Everybody put June 24th on their calendars right now because I want to see everybody at this community wellness event. Um, there's a lot of heavy stuff as we just talked about, like shared revenue is, is heavy putting cops back in schools. That's, that's heavy. Uh, everything that happened in Wauwatosa and this protester list is heavy. Uh, since block is a wellness organization, um, what's, what's one thing that's holding you together right now? How are you maintaining your, your wellness? Yeah, I'll go first. I'd like to, um, I like to put on some candles at the end of the night, light some candles, and I usually put on some jazz. So uh, I've been listening to, I think her name is Samara Weaver lately. But other than that, you know, little Miles Davis, a little Chet Baker, uh, and it, it just takes me to a different place. I get to escape, escape for a little while, escape the problems uh, and listen to some of the greats. And it's it's amazing. So that's what I kind of do to center myself every night. I hear that. So with me, I think... Uh, I'll say similar. I love music. I think I love the escape of music that you can like dive into and it, it kind of like flows your senses. But what I do at the end of the day, so I get my snacks, um, like either a good article that I'm reading on Facebook, something like really juicy, or I'll follow like my favorite shows and binge watch. But I also, I, I always try to do something that just makes me feel good at the end of the night before I go to sleep. Um, to tr just try to keep that positive energy, have positive dreams and things like that. So I think that's important. I think you just make sure you have your favorite snack, favorite read, uh, favorite show, um, and, and just go in and finish your night, you know, on a positive note. So that's what I do. I try to do it about five days, five nights a week. 
So yeah. I love that. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. So another thing, go spend time outside with Block. Uh, sign up for these community cleanups. I'm for sure going to be there. Get outside, get that nice weather that we've all been pushing. This is, there's no excuse. Everybody get out there. Uh, so, but pre, yeah, go for it, Matt. Yeah, I was just going to say, so I think now folks know why we had had the folks from Block on. They're vision of the world and orientation to it and centering community organizing is absolutely the key to changing, <laughs> changing the world and creating the world we all want. So please folks uh, get involved. I want to personally uh, thank both Keisha and Kyle for joining us today. Thank you both very much. And we look forward to uh, hearing your podcast coming up. Thank you all. Yeah, thank you for having us. And thanks, Matt. Earlier, I kind of stumbled because I was going to say Matt. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, should I say his whole name? I don't want to be. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. You thanks, can't Matt. offend me. That is for sure. We're <laughs> just thrilled you're on and uh, thrilled that you're in our communities doing this amazing work. Folks, get connected. Join an organization. Get active. And with that, we have to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. Of course, we want to thank Kyle Johnson. Keisha Robinson for joining us. And as always, want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who makes this show happen every week. It just doesn't happen without Brian. And we thank him and appreciate him. Folks, we'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. <laughs>